The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
our God is an awesome God. He rules in heaven and earth. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I come with a broadcast that I pray today will be very helpful to you in the journey you're taking. I pray you are a pilgrim journey, that you have left the city of destruction and you are making your way to that promised land. Now let's pray. Lord, you've given me a message today that is terrifying to my soul. I pray that you will use it with mighty power, that your Holy Spirit will come now. Lord, I I know you're present. I know your Holy Spirit is here in the studio. I thank you. Now I ask for clear words with no foolishness. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. In the book of Daniel, in the fourth chapter, we find a terrifying dream. King Nebuchadnezzar rules the entire then-known world. He has taken Jerusalem. He's captured almost everyone. He is the head of gold, the absolute monarch of the earth. And the Lord has set his sights on this man and said, you will belong to me. And so we've walked through the stories in the book of Daniel, showing how God demonstrated his awesome power to this man. But now it's going to become exceedingly personal. And I want to warn you, God is prepared to become very personal with you. Perhaps he already has. We find Nebuchadnezzar is in his bed. He's going to sleep. He is contented and happy. He is prosperous. He's accomplished just about everything his heart wanted to accomplish. When suddenly a dream tears through his mind, it makes him afraid. Images and visions passed through his mind that terrified him. He commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before him to interpret the dream for him. So again, the astrologers and the soothsayers, the enchanters, the diviners, they all come. And this time he tells them the dream and he asks them to please interpret it for him. But they could not. Or, if they could, they were unwilling to interpret it because of the grave danger it would pose if they told the true meaning of the dream. Finally, Daniel came from his responsibilities 
and he came into the king's presence. And the king told him the entire dream. And then he said, Belteshazzar, that was the Babylonian name for Daniel, chief of magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too great for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. He said, I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. He's probably looking at a tree much greater than anything we could even imagine. I've never seen a tree whose top touched the sky. So it's probably a tree that is several miles high. Its leaves were beautiful. Its fruit was abundant. On it was food for everyone. And under it the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in the branches. And from it every creature was fed. Now, in the vision, while he's lying in his bed, he says, I looked, and there before me was a, a watchman, a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. And he called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Just a historical note. Iron and bronze were the strongest metals known to man in that day. The stump is to be bound with iron and bronze. It's not to be dug up. It's to remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, till seven times pass by for him, or seven years. Seven is the number of perfection. God is going to take seven years to do in this man's heart the work that is necessary, that he would worship the one God, the living God, that he would acknowledge his majesty and his power and his authority upon the earth. The decision was announced by the watchmen, the holy ones. They declared the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, 
Tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Daniel was greatly perplexed. His thoughts terrified him. His thoughts terrified him. Now, this dream is terrifying because it speaks of the Almighty God coming down and cutting down this man's life, binding his life with bronze and iron, not pulling up the roots, not destroying him completely, but totally stopping him. He is the king. He is the absolute power. Now, in that day, insanity was considered inhabitation by the gods, and so he would not be harmed. But this is the judgment God has spoken against him. Now, let me tell you why this is such a terrifying dream. Because it reveals the extent to which God will go in the lives of people he cares about. This was a dream from God. It was a very, very solemn warning. Some of you have been totally blocked in your life. And I understand. When I was just a young pastor, I had immediate success as a young man. In my 20s, I traveled a great deal. I spoke at college and university campuses. I spoke in conferences. I was very much in demand as a public speaker at Christian events. I was given very fine assignments As just a very young man, I was promoted to a church in Rockville, Maryland. A very beautiful church. And I was very successful in that church. We quadrupled our attendance. We exploded in attendance. I was there for five years. And then the Lord made a decision about my life. He cut me down. He cut me down. And from that point to this point, I have been spectacularly unsuccessful in any ambition or any desire to be successful. Right now, the Lord has given me the opportunity to come and speak with you humbly. 
He's given me the opportunity to have a small house church. Every time I have begun to succeed and prosper, the Lord has shut it down. It's been very frustrating through the years. I mean, we're talking here about 40 years of wilderness being shut down not being allowed to prosper. Now, I do have to tell you that during these last 40 years, the Lord has preserved my roots in the ground. He has completely carried me. I have been in situations, even as I am now, where I should not be able to survive. But the Lord, in His gracious mercy, has provided for me. But not so that I could grow strong, but he's kept me cut down. I used to struggle with, and I used to say to people who were close to me, I don't understand why we can't just move forward and and have the success that is there for every pastor. It's not that I lack talent or ability or personality, or understanding of the process. I I understand church growth. I have studied it extensively. I have studied revival extensively. And the Lord has simply blocked me. Now, some of you have been exceedingly successful in your ministry whether it's as a pastor or whether it's another form of outreach, whether it's a job, and then he cut you down with sickness, with whatever it took. He cut you down. And you've been bound. Your roots are in the ground. He carries you. He gives you sustenance to live. But he has bound you. He has cut you down. Now, what I've discovered is that some people, God does not cut down. And they can build great churches, mega churches. Because God has chosen to allow them to fulfill their ambitions to be very successful. I think of of one man, Bill Hybels, the great church in Chicago that he built, the first real successful seeker-sensitive church. And then God cut him down. I've watched as some men are not cut down, but simply grow old and die. For some reason, the Lord chose not to humble them, to allow them to live a fairly normal life. Oh yes, some difficulties, but always moving forward, always moving up, always becoming better known, more successful, writing their books, 
I can name many such men that I know of and even personally know. They've never been cut down. They've never had their life bound. I have. For over five years, I was with my wife, Jan, homeless. We spent that time just reading the scriptures, praying, seeking the face of God, and then gave us a measure of success, but then cut it down. When I was a child, the Lord gave me a vision. And in that vision, he showed me that I would that I would struggle through my whole ministry. And I, of course, said, that's not from the Lord. And he said, your work really will not begin until the latter part of your life. And, of course, I cast that away and said, no, that's not from the Lord. But it was and is. The Lord is in charge. He is the Almighty. There's not one detail of your life that he does not see and understand and make decisions about what he's going to do with you in your life. Now, if you're very humble and very blessed, you can live a fairly normal life. But then the day will come if there's any pride found in you, if there's any ambition found in you, if there's any sin found in you, if God treasures you, he will cut you down. If he doesn't, he'll let, he'll let you go on your way in, in the business of church or in the business of real estate or in the business of construction or whatever the business is that you're involved in. He will let you go on You can retire and you can die never having done really anything for building his kingdom on the earth. I want you to hear what I'm saying to you today. Some of you have been cut down, but your roots have been preserved. Some of you have lived a fairly normal life, but you are yet far away from the Lord Jesus. You pray and your prayers are not answered. You're just doing your daily devotion and living your life. You may still be able to go to heaven but you will be considered a lightweight in the eyes of God. Some of you have been cut down and didn't even realize you were cut down. 
You've just been frustrated by how your life has progressed. And finally, you just rolled over and said, okay, this is how life is. It's what's going to happen. I can't change it. I just have to accept it. I've never been willing to take that position. The Lord promised me when I was a child full revival. And then many years later, he gave me another vision as an adult after he cut me down and he showed me what revival would look like in America. I have seen it in the spirit, in visions. I know what he intends to do. He's shown me. I don't know yet what my place will be in that because I am not someone of any import. He is the one who has the import. He is the one who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the master and he decides how he will use a man or a woman in the work of the kingdom of heaven. Now, in this story, Daniel's terrified because what he needs to say to the king is not going to be easy to say, and frankly, it's quite dangerous. He may be executed for saying it. But Belteshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar said, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. So he reassures Daniel. He says, Daniel, don't be concerned. Don't be alarmed. Just tell me what it means. Already we see a great humility coming into the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel answers. This is found in Daniel, the fourth chapter. Verse 19, my Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him, or seven years." 
This is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree the Most High has issued against my lord, the king. And my question to you, are you aware that the mighty God of heaven is totally in charge? He holds your life in the palm of his hand. Your life is not your own. It is held in the palm of God's hand. And he can do with you whatever he wishes to do. You are totally at his mercy. And many of you are walking in such a manner that you are likely to drop into the fire of hell at any moment because in arrogance and self-assurance, in casualness, you feast on the things of darkness. You sit and feast on the television, on the foolishness of its programming. You watch YouTubes by the hour. You go about the entertainment of the world. You think you're comfortable. You think you're going to have your debt paid off by this date and you're going to retire and you and your wife are going to have a wonderful time together. I want to tell you, your life is in the hands of Almighty God and He will decide what you will do and what you will not do. Some of you have had your life cut down like I have. And you recognize you're nobody. And you've humbled your heart before Almighty God. You don't claim to be something. And you don't claim that you can live your life as you choose. You don't just go out and enjoy all the luxuries of life. You don't go out and buy that new car. You don't go out and buy this and buy that and say, I'm in charge of my life. You don't do that. Because you've been humbled by Almighty God. Some of you live in a rat's nest. In your mind, you're unclean. In your heart, you walk in arrogance before God. My heart is broken to say these things to you. It makes me weep. But it's true. Your life is in the hand of Almighty God. And Jesus will determine what the final result of your life will be. And if in his mercy he has cut you down, lift your hands and glorify him and praise him. Don't complain. Don't grumble. Praise him. It's taken me quite a few years. Be able to finally just praise his name and not be upset with what's happened in my life. Now, part of what's happened in my life is a direct result of poor judgment on my part. Decisions that I made that I should not have made. Walking in the arrogance of my own heart. But they should have worked out according to human wisdom and knowledge. But they didn't. God blocked them. I praise God for blocking. 
I praise God for cutting down my tree, the tree of my life. I praise God for the 40 years of wilderness walking. I praise God that he humbled my heart before him and before man. I praise God that I have nothing to boast of. I praise God that I don't have anything I need to come here and say so that you'll approve of me. I don't need man's approval anymore. There was a time when I desperately sought the approval of people so that I could advance in my ambitions. Today, that's all gone. By the grace of God, it's gone. I'm no longer interested. I don't have to please anybody except Jesus. No, I love everybody. And I extend my love. I extend my hand in help. But I don't have to please anybody except Jesus. Because when the Lord brings you down to a certain low level, You're looking up at people, at those who are successful. I'm not. These videos, by right, should have hundreds of thousands of views. But they don't. And I know why. Because this stump of my life is still in iron and bronze. But in spite of that, the Lord is providing for me food and shelter, clothing, as I wait upon him, as I humble my heart before him. I want to tell you, God wants to humble your heart. Some of you he has humbled to such an extent You're discouraged and in despair. Don't be. Don't choose that way. Choose to lift your hands and praise his awesome name. For our God is an awesome God. He rules over heaven and earth. Nothing is too hard for him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the king. Has the Lord issued a decree against your life because of your sin, because of your arrogance, because of your self-satisfied comfort? You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven years will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command To leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. 
I come today to acknowledge that heaven rules, that my God rules, that my life and your life is in the hand of Jesus Christ, and he rules over us, and he can cut us down in a moment if that be necessary to accomplish his will. Look in the scriptures. Look at the stories. He cut Moses down in the in the youth and strength of his Egyptian power. He cut him down and sent him to the wilderness to herd sheep for 40 years. Not even his sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. Over and over. We find Jacob being cut down. We find Abraham being cut down. Until they could acknowledge that the Lord God of heaven was the ruler over heaven and earth. There is no such thing as chance, and there's no such thing as fate. There is the living Lord Jesus Christ who rules over heaven and earth. And he is majestic and all-powerful. Now Daniel, unbidden, in verse 27, this is Daniel 4, verse 27, Therefore, O king, please accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right. Literally, turn from your sins. Change your behavior, O king. You don't renounce your sins by saying, I'm sorry, Jesus. You renounce your sin by stopping that sinful behavior by the power of the blood of Jesus. Some of you find it impossible to turn from your sin, your addiction. That's because you're unwilling to die and give the Lord Jesus the total due that is for him, honor and glory. Renounce your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. In other words, stop struggling to be somebody, King. Stop trying to gain more control in the world and focus on those who are oppressed and make just laws. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. I want to say that to you. The Lord is calling for you to stop jumping, stop grabbing, lay your ambition aside, lay your pride aside. Humble your heart before Almighty God. And then hopefully you'll not go through what I've gone through. Although I tell you, 
that if I could choose again from the end to the beginning of my life as I have now lived it, I would not choose any other course than that which God has led me on. Why? Because he has taught me about himself. He has taught me his ways. He's allowed me to enter the Holy of Holies. He's allowed me to go there and lay on my face and intercede for many. And I do. I don't have to be successful. I don't have to be somebody. Jesus is already successful and he's already somebody. My heart is very content. All ambition has been removed. All desire to please man has been removed. I had to go through these 40 years to be humbled before Almighty God. All of this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said to himself, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Aren't I something? Look at what I've done. The hanging gardens, the beautiful city. He considers the whole city his residence. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from the people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times or seven years will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and he ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Now the Lord has not done that to me. And I'm sure he's not done that to you. But he has bound my life and cut down my success. And I'm just, I know in the spirit that some of you have been cut down physically and you're sick. And you've been to the doctors and you don't have any way to rescue yourself. You're going to have to get to God or you're going to die. Doctors don't have the answer. Jesus is the one who holds your life in his hands. Now, I know this is probably a very uncomfortable message for many of you because you're very fat and happy and comfortable in your life. 
you've been cut down even and you're still you made a bed there for yourself and you have okay this is my life i'll be happy and i'll be content and and still you're filled with the lust of the world and the lust of darkness did you know god wants to bless you jesus wants to bless you but it's not a blessing with material things It's not a blessing with a new house or a new car. It's not a blessing of stuff. It's not a blessing of having a roof over your head even. Let me read the blessing that God wants for you. This is in Acts, the third chapter. Peter has just healed a crippled man. And now everyone has gathered and he's preaching to them. By faith in his name, this man whom you see and know was made strong by his name and faith through him. Now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, that is, you crucified the Christ, as did also your rulers, And by the way, you and I have done things in our ignorance that have caused God great grief. He says, consequently, you must repent and you must turn around. In the NIV, it says you must be converted, but it's an active verb. You must turn around for your sins to be wiped away. Your sins are not wiped away by just saying, I repent of my sins. You have to leave your sins. You have to leave, you have to leave your life. Put it in the hands of Jesus. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. But now listen. This is verse 26. This is Acts 3, verse 26. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him as a blessing to you by turning away each one of you from your sinfulness. The reason God cut down my life as a young man was to turn me from my sinfulness. The reason God has blocked your path is to turn you from your sinfulness, to humble your heart before him. God cannot bless a proud man or woman. I've watched as as God has struggled back and forth, never cutting down a man's life until he comes to the very end and then suddenly... God just says, you know what? I'm going to take you home. You're done. Your life is over. And in an unexpected and tragic way, the man dies. Pastor David Wilkerson, my father in the faith, that's what happened to him. A tragic automobile accident, a violent death, a fiery death. 
Lord finally said, David, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you home. We can do much good in the name of Jesus Christ if we are humble of heart. But some of us, the Lord just says, look, I don't have any way to help you except by humbling you and cutting you down and I'll bind the stump of your life and I'll preserve you and I'll give you a living. I'll take care of food and shelter. I'll carry you. But I'm not going to let you move forward in any kind of ministry until your heart is absolutely humble before me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. All those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I know men that I love dearly who walk in such pride and arrogance before God. If I try to talk to them about it, they get very angry with me. Even cut me off and no longer fellowship with me. It's okay. I'm not angry with them. I just know God is going to have to cut them down. And some God has cut down and they're very angry about that. And they think they can break through by working hard. They can't. They're in bondage because God decided to put them in bondage. Because some of us will only humble our hearts when we're put in bondage. That was true of Moses. That was true of Jacob. It was true of Daniel. His life was cut off in the royal palace of Jerusalem and he was taken captive and made a eunuch. But he humbled his heart and God could use him immediately and wanted to use him and use him powerfully in the book of Daniel. Now Nebuchadnezzar, he says this, to the people, nations, and men of every language who live in the world. May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are His signs! How mighty His wonders! His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. He humbled his heart before Almighty God. I'm eager to talk with Nebuchadnezzar when we get to heaven. And I'm going to tell you very honestly, transparent. If Pastor Ray is able to be a part of revival... 
It will be only because of the Lord God's mercy and kindness to me. For he will use whom he chooses to use to bring his message of repentance to this nation. I pray that he will call forth men and women who will lift up a standard of righteousness in this nation. I pray I can be a part of that. I tell you, the Lord is so kind. He is so filled with love and mercy. We're almost out of time for this broadcast. I just want to say something quickly. I so treasure those of you who who give the $20, who give the $1,000, simply because the Holy Spirit has moved in your heart, not because there's a crisis and we have to get the radio covered. I appreciate those who step into the middle of the crisis and cover the cost. But I treasure those of you who just give because the Holy Spirit moves in your heart. Thank you, dear brother, dear sister. Thank you. I love you. You are partners with me in this humble work of the gospel. You can give by going online to nationalprayerchapel.com. Or you can give by writing directly to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.